Hello, everyone. Welcome back to, uh, Capes and Japes. Welcome to a, uh, recording from our bedroom floors special episode. Um, it's a special episode because my living room is being painted, so you might, it, by being painted, I mean my family and I are painting the living room. They're continuing without me while I record. And all of the stuff that was on the living room walls is now where I normally record. So I've got a good old-fashioned sitting in the middle of my bedroom floor session. Yeah, and I do too, but I always do that because I'm just like, this is a person. It's fun. The fun thing is, I can either stare at my closet, or I can stare just slightly to the right, at all my enamel pins, and think about my life choices. <laughs> I feel like doing a comic book podcast is already kind of making us both think about our life choices. I mean, if I turn around, I can look at my unread shelf and think about those oh. life choices too, but I'd rather not turn that far around. I don't want to think about that right now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very fair. We already make you think about that an awful lot here. Who's hammering on the wall? rude very rude it's recording time um so this week on this uh bedroom floor <laughs> slumber party recording um we are uh talking about uh jean gray uh probably not surprising i think we mentioned last week that we were going to do it and also we talked about scott summers so the natural uh, progression of that would probably be Jean Grey. Um, but oh golly, Hachimachi. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> Jean Grey has experienced some- So much. Tr truly, just truly wild, wild events. Um, so, uh, Ms. uh, Ms. Jean Grey, uh, original superhero- code name of uh Marvel Girl, also occasionally known as Phoenix, um among other more dramatic titles. Um Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. Um she is uh one of the original uh five X-Men created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in uh nineteen sixty-three, along with uh Cyclops Beast, uh, Angel, and Iceman. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, uh, that other guy. <laughs> uh, some other one. It's fine. Um, so, uh, she was, obviously, by that list, she was the, uh, the only girl on the team, uh. Unfortunate. The, yeah, always, always an unfortunate detail, um kind of the uh focus of a love triangle between her uh Cyclops and Angel also usually unfortunate um and then later on uh once Wolverine came into a picture the focus of a much more famous love triangle between those three um why do people just look at Jean Grey and it's like mm she's gotta be in love with two dudes at once. I, I don't know what it is. Um, but, uh, so initially she is, uh, 
introduced with having the power of uh telekinesis. That's her uh mutant ability. Um she also uh later on and like is probably more well known for this, um she gains access to uh psychic telepathic powers, um which is established in canon as uh X-Men love to do this as like uh Professor X having put like a psychic block uh to prevent her from accessing that part of her power until she was ready. Um I don't know if that's something that ethically he should do. It's it's definitely I will say a lot of things Professor X does are not things that ethically he should do. Have we done a Professor X episode yet? Because I feel like it would just be the ethics of the things that Professor X does. <laughs> just really, just really kind of dig dig into that. We have not, um, which is pretty, pretty whack. Um, we should, clearly. We should get into those, uh, those questionable decisions. Um, but the reason that, um... Professor X does that, uh, ethically questionable thing. Um, Jean, uh, pretty surprisingly, uh, for a comic book character, um, has a fairly normal childhood. Uh, huh. I know. She has, uh, she has two parents who are both alive and, uh, together. Um, she has an older sister. Her dad's a professor. Um, as, uh, as far as I know, none of them ever, like, ended up, uh, you know, like, turning up again as, like, supervillains, um, which is very unusual. Um, yeah, go Jean. Yeah, go Jean. I think her, um, I think her family, like, dies at some point in continuity, but, like... I mean, they have family and comic books disease, so... Yeah, no, exactly, It's gonna for happen. Sure. But, like, you know, comparatively, like, it's pretty okay. Um, the, uh, most notable thing that happens to her, uh, in her childhood is uh her best friend is uh killed in a hit and run which obviously is a very traumatic thing yeah but is a traumatic thing that could happen in everyday life and not like a comic book traumatic thing of like do you know my whole family was like blown up by invading space aliens yeah um but um she uh she sees her best friend be killed in this accident um and like the trauma of the moment like awakens her mutant powers um and uh-oh yeah i know very unfortunate um and when her uh telepathy like you know activates uh she like empathically like links up with her friend and like 
feels the emotions and the fear and the pain of uh, her death, which is a very upsetting thing and also not a trauma that would happen to somebody in everyday life. That is a comic book exclusive kind of trauma. Yeah. They took normal trauma and turned it comics. Yes. Um, which is the, uh, the reason that, uh, Professor X, uh, like, blocks her access to her telepathy, um, with, uh, because, like, the sheer, like, psychic, like, strength of the moment, like, leaves her, uh, unconscious until, like, uh, her, uh, Professor Xavier, like, shows up and is like, don't worry, I know what to do about this. Um. I'm a professor. Don't worry about it. Um, again, I think this whole, like, explanation of it is put in later, um, because, uh, in the early stories, she's, like, uh, just doing, uh, telekinesis. Which, uh, ironically, given later events, led, like, a lot of people to perceive her as, uh, the weakest member of the original team. Which, like, (sighs) telekinesis is, like, can be a pretty OP power if you're using it right. It there's so many different things that you can do with it. You just gotta be creative. You simply have to be creative. I feel like I have a suspicion that maybe, you know, in those early issues, they weren't, like, necessarily interested in, like, showing Jean doing, like, super cool, powerful stuff. Uh, Jean, can you, uh, use your telekinesis to do something cool? Like, uh, I don't know, squeeze a man's lungs? (laughs) Like, that's just basic telekinesis. Yeah. To squeeze yeah. something. And that's, that's just pretty intense just with that. I know. It seems like you could probably, like, she could probably be the X-Men on her own at a certain point. With telekinesis, I wonder if you could, like, pick something up and vibrate it so fast that it turns very hot. Could probably. You, could you telekinetically manipulate molecules? Um... That is actually, um, one of the things that, uh, are established with the, uh, Phoenix Force is that it, uh, grants her the ability to, uh, like, telekinetically control things on a molecular level. Um, so she can just do anything she wants, pretty much. Solid. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, um, so, uh, so, Jean is, uh, one of these, uh, founding members of the X-Men, um, and, uh, she's, you know, she's around, uh, for quite some time, she's going on various missions with them, um, she, uh, has this kind of, uh, love triangle with, uh, where, like, Cyclops is interested in her, but she likes, but Angel's also interested in her, and he thinks that she likes Angel, but it turns out that she, in fact, likes Cyclops, and they, you know, uh, 
kiss and they start dating. Um, and, uh, everything's going, uh, just swell for a while. Um, and then in, uh, 1976, um, is where things start to take a turn. Um, because, uh, at this point, uh, I've, Chris, uh, Claremont, um, is writing X-Men, one of the, uh, most notable X-Men writers, um, and, uh, writes this story where, uh, they, uh, the X-Men go on a space mission, they have this space shuttle, you know, it's comics, they all, they all gotta go into space sometimes, um. Unfortunately. Yes, um, and, uh, Jean, uh, is piloting, uh, their, uh, damaged shuttle, uh, back to Earth, um, and, uh, due to her determination to, uh, you know, get back to Earth and, uh, protect her friends, um, she, uh, is exposed to, uh, deadly radiation from a solar flare, um, and, uh, should have been killed, um, but instead, uh, temporarily, like, just kind of ass assumes a form of, like, pure thought and energy, um, and then, uh, survives with her, uh, her full, like, telepathic and telekinetic, uh, potential unlocked as, like, a, uh, super extremely powerful mutant, like, one of the, uh, most powerful, if not the most powerful, uh, X-Man, um, uses, uh, uses this, uh, ability to, uh, repair this, like, fractured, like, crystal that they had been trying to fix while they were in space, um, and, uh, starts calling herself Phoenix, um, which- It's a good name. It's, like, a very cool name. Uh, makes sense because, like, she almost died from a solar flare, um, but, like, basically came back to life, um, and, uh, also, I think she get just, she gets a new costume after this, I think she might just, like, it might just be one of those things where, like, a new costume just, like, manifests because of how crazy the thing was that just happened to her. Um I do love those. Yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes you gotta. Um and uh so uh Chris Claremont um and Dave Cockrum uh and John Byrne were the two artists who uh who worked on this. Um Chris Claremont was the writer. Um, and, uh, their intention was, um, to create the first, uh, female Marvel character 
who is operating on, like, a cosmic level. Um, like, uh, the equivalent of Thor, and, like, a few other, like, characters at this point. Um, you know, like, a character who was, like, super powerful, um, and could, uh, you know, like, single-handedly deal with a lot of, like, very, like, big-level problems. Um. A Captain Marvel. Yeah, a Captain Marvel. This, <laughs> um, but Captain Marvel would, uh, go on to really claim this spot without the, uh, severe complications that are <laughs> going to come along with Jean. Um, <laughs> so. Um, there are, uh, there are a lot of people, um, who have a hand in what, what comes next. Uh, and what comes next is, uh, one of, one of the most, like, well-known storylines, like, in the history of comics, pretty much. Um, like, of, a very big deal that's, like frequently referenced and, like, has a lot of, uh, impact both in-universe, for sure, um, and also kind of on, you know, like, the general trends in, like, comic book storytelling. Um, but so, uh, Chris Claremont, uh, the main writer for X-Men, uh, John Byrne, um, who, uh, becomes the, uh, primary, uh, artist, but who's also done, um, a lot of comic book writing, um, as well. Um, he's well known, like, later on for, like, kind of revamping, uh, Superman over at DC. Um, uh, Jim Shooter, um, who's the head editor, um, for... Marvel at the time has, like, a major hand in it, um... This feels like a call-out post. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm calling all these people out. Um, some of the other editors, um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of decisions that, um, are being made. Um, so, um, basically, after they, uh, introduce, like, Jean as Phoenix with the intention of kind of, like, rebranding her as, like, this, uh, cosmic-level hero, uh, they start to get, uh, John Byrne, the artist, apparently, notably, um, ends up being unhappy with the direction that this is taking, because it feels like, uh, Jean is drawing too much of the focus in what's supposed to be a team book. Um, so... He works together, uh, to come up with a story, uh, with Chris Claremont that would, uh, like, remove Jean's powers, and then eventually she could, like, go off and, like, marry Cyclops, and they could both just, like, retire from the X-Men. Um, and what they, uh, pitch is this story, um that becomes, uh, the Dark Phoenix Saga, um, where, uh, Jean's, like, uh, Jean's power 
um, along with, um, like, manipulating by, uh, a supervillain named Mastermind, um, like, kind of unlocks the, like, barriers she's placed on herself about, like, going too far with her powers, um, and, uh, just kind of, like, like, loses all of her inhibitions, um, and just starts, uh, committing atrocities. Um. Unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, so, uh, she, uh, Mastermind basically, like, projects illusions, um, to, uh, make her think that she's, like, the, uh, the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club, um, he, uh, he has, like, this, like, he ends up, like, Mastermind, like, kills this, like, illusory version of Cyclops, um, and, uh, it makes Jean very upset, um, and, uh... I can't believe they didn't actually fridge the actual Cyclops. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, can you believe it? Um, she, uh... It just, be, like, she gets extremely upset. It, like, uh, shatters all of, like, the, like, kind of barriers and, like, you know, self-restrictions she had placed on her own power. Um, she, uh, completely just, like, uh, telepathically, like, drives Mastermind insane. Um, and, uh... I mean, kind of deserved it. I mean, yeah, he sucked, so, like, whatever. Try Um, to manipulate her? She will destroy you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, goes like, well, I'm no longer Jean Grey. I'm this new, ultra-powerful being. I have no use for the X-Men. Um, she, uh, like, just, like, knocks out all the X-Men in, like, one swoop. Um, and flies off into space. Um... And, uh, discovers that, uh, so, like, in her, like, Dark Phoenix form, she can, uh, like, telekinetically control stuff on a molecular level. She has, like, this, like, uh, incredible, like, ability to manipulate energy. She can, like, convert herself into basically, like, an energy being, um... She gets this, uh, this big, like, like, fiery bird, like, appears around her when she's, like, using her powers, which looks dope as hell. I mean, all of this just sounds really rad, and I don't know. (laughs) It's rad and dope, and we should let her do it. Um, well, the thing is, um, she flies off into space. She, uh, ends up, uh depleting a lot of her energy um because like her powers aren't limitless and she needs to like consume energy in order to do stuff um and so she uh eats a dinner well she does eat in a way she eats a dinner oh no um she uh consumes all of the energy of a uh of a star um, which, uh, causes a supernova, 
which causes a, the planet orbiting the star to be destroyed, um, which was an inhabited planet that had five billion people on it. Well, of course it did. Yeah, of course it did. Um, so this is the point, um, where, uh, editor Jim Shooter, uh, sees drafts of this. So after this, what happens is, like, uh, these aliens, uh, the Shi'ar try to, like, like, take Jean out because, uh, you know, she's a very obvious threat who just destroyed a planet. Um... Professor X, in, like, an attempt to, like, gain another chance, uh, to save her, um, like, suggests, like, a duel, um, between, like, the Shi'ar and, uh, the X-Men, um, to determine what'll happen to her, um, this and, like- This doesn't solve Professor X- <laughs> I'm very no, sorry, but do you live in the 1800s? <laughs> the, it's, it's very, I mean, it's like, it's a part, it's like a thing that the Shi'ar do. He didn't just, like, invent this concept, but also, like, it is not, like, a great plan, sir. Um, also, at this point, if you want to save Jean, make her not evil? <laughs> he does, like, he does have, like, a psychic duel with her in which he like uh basically enables her like normal personality to like retake control um but uh it uh does not last because once they're like having this duel uh she like gets upset about the x-men being threatened again and dark phoenix comes out again um but uh so the initial plan for this was that, uh, the, uh, the Shi'ar would, like, uh, like, win this duel, uh, and, like, capture Jean, and they would, uh, basically just, like, take away her powers. Um, and then she would go back to Earth, and she would be dealing with, you know, uh, not having any mutant powers after being, like, extremely crazy powerful for a very long time. Um, and then eventually, you know, like, Scott would retire from the X-Men and they would get married and they would go off and do something else and they would have room to put new characters in the book. Um, Jim Shooter, the editor, um, reads this and, uh, sees the scene where she, uh, destroys an entire planet and is like, you can't have a character destroy an entire planet, um, and then get to live a normal life after. Uh, and, um, like, Claremont and Burns' thinking when they did this was that, uh, like, it was justified that it, like, wasn't really Gene, like, who was doing it. Like, I don't think they had, like, properly, like, congealed the idea of the Phoenix Force, um, at that point, but their thinking was, like, well, clearly, like, you know, something's taken her over, basically, and she's, like, not herself. You so know, absolute not... power corrupting absolutely, that sort of thing. Yeah, so it's not, like, Jean the person, like, Jean did destroy an entire, like, planet, 
But she wasn't like, mm, I have all this power, now I can do what I've always wanted to do, destroy an entire planet. Right. Um, but the editor was not okay with this being the direction that it went. So what they ended up going with was, um, at the end of this duel, uh, instead of, you know, Jean being, uh, having her powers taken away, um, like, Dark Phoenix comes back, um, and, uh, in, like, a final kind of, like, lucid, uh, attempt to save everyone, um, Jean, uh, destroys herself with this, like, like, Cree, like, weapon that had been buried where they were having this, uh, duel. Convenient. Yeah, I know. Uh, and dies. Uh, very famously and dramatically, um, basically, you know, sacrifices herself to prevent herself from doing any more horrible things. Um. I do really enjoy, uh, the original plan, though. Just that this race out there is like, alright, clearly this woman is way too powerful to, you know, exist in the form she is. Let's take away her powers and just let her go. We are essentially <laughs> diffusing a bomb. Yeah, it's a person bomb. Yeah, um, and, like, I like the implications of that. Like, you could have some really interesting, like, implications of that this is before, like, any of the mutant, non-mutant stuff, so. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. you could have a precursor to, oh, now I have to figure out what it's like to not have this mutant identity anymore and live as a human and have all of this, like, my now strained connections with the X-Men and that's that stuff interesting. I don't know why the editor was like, uh... No. Yeah. I think it would have been interesting. I think given that it's comics, within several years, they would have been like, oh, her powers came back. Probably. Crazy. But, I mean, I mean, clearly she didn't die for good, but also... <laughs> yeah. But also, stop making women die. <laughs> Please stop making women die. That's my one, that's my one plea. I'm on my knees. Um, so, uh, this happens. It is a, uh, a very big deal, obviously. Um, in, like, a story that seems like, this seems like it might be a little bit apocryphal, but, like, it is kind of fun. Um, so apparently, uh, after, like, several years of this, um, and, you know, Jean was very popular, and the story was very popular, uh, Jim Shooter is like, okay, listen, Jean can come back, but only if there is some way to absolve her of what happened during the events of the Dark Phoenix Saga, namely the fact that she did, uh, destroy an entire planet of five billion people. Um, and, uh, there's a few different kind of, like, up-and-coming writers who are, like, uh, 
kind of bouncing around ideas as to how you would do that. Um, and one of them is uh, Kurt Busiek, um, who uh, comes up with this idea where um, what happens when Jean originally went through the solar flare is that uh, this, like, force that, like, gave her these powers um, is actually, like, like, kind of a semi-sentient entity called the Phoenix Force. Um, I, like, again, like, this was sort of, like, kind of played with already, um, and the idea that, like, this was, like, something, like, possessing or, like, manipulating Jean's body in a way, um, and I don't know if Kurt Busiek, like, coined, like, Phoenix Force, um, but I think this is, like, where it kind of becomes more, like, concrete. Um, the, uh, the Phoenix Force reaches out to Jean in this moment where she is dying, but, like, trying to save her friends as she's piloting this shuttle back to Earth, um, takes Jean's body, puts it in a healing cocoon called a phoenix egg at the bottom of the ocean, and- Earth? Earth ocean? Yes. Wild. And the phoenix force takes the form- of a duplicate gene. But because it was so suddenly connected with Jean's emotions in that moment, it basically believes that it is the real gene. If I am getting this correct. <laughs> and I might not be, because it's very confusing. I do love the idea of some semi semi-sentient space force just like oh no i'm feeling this psychic cry for help i know what to do i will replace your body for a bit oh no oh god oh no i'm jean gray <laughs> <laughs> um it um it is pretty fun um but uh so kurt busiek comes up with this concept um doesn't really formally pitch it so much as he like kind of like chats about it with like some other comic book writers at like various like events and stuff um but eventually it finds its its way back to Jim Shooter who's like yeah I would buy that um and uh that is uh what they decide to go with um, so what happens is, uh, after Jean destroys herself, um, a fragment, uh, the Phoenix Force still exists, but it doesn't have the Jean body anymore. But a portion of it finds Jean, um, finds, oh boy, this also we talked about with Cyclops, this is crazy, finds a clone of Jean that was made by the villain Mr. Sinister, who's, like, weirdly obsessed with Scott's family, um, and created this clone to try and, like, 
get her to have kids with Scott to create, like, genetically perfect mutants or something. Um, weird. Terrible. Hate it. Very weird and bad, and I hate it. Um, but, uh, bonds with this clone whose name is Madeline Pryor, who was not introduced as a clone, but just as a woman who looked like Jean, but because of this whole thing they're doing with bringing Jean back, they're like, oh, she's actually a clone. Um, and, uh, the, uh, Avengers and the Fantastic Four find this, like, cocoon that Jean was trapped in and, like, healing in this whole time at the bottom of the ocean, um, and, like, realize that she has no memories of, like, the Dark Phoenix stuff and, like, is not the same Jean, seemingly, that, uh, did all that, um, but, like, she's alive. Um, and then, uh, Cyclops goes, like, oh boy, Jean's back, and abandons his wife and son, um, and Madeline Pryor, because of this fragment of the Phoenix Force, and also because of this, like, genuinely very shitty thing that Scott just did to her, uh, becomes a supervillain. <laughs> Which, again, wouldn't we all? I mean, I don't think I would have ended up marrying Scott. In the first place. No, that was really- that was your first mistake, Madeline. But, like, you know. I- I can't blame that on her. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Jean eventually, um, has to, uh, fight, uh, supervillain Madeline and ends up absorbing the fragment of the Phoenix Force that was in her, um- and, uh, obtaining Madeline's memories and also the memories of what Phoenix Jean did during Dark Phoenix. So that the writers can stop being all like, alright, what will Jean remember? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, that's, um, that's the most famous thing, uh, that Jean has done obviously. Um, she also, um, she has, like, these, like, alternate timeline kids with Scott, um, who, uh, are just a whole, their own whole little, uh, mess of trouble. Um, she, uh, she ends up marrying Scott, uh, once she's, you know, back to life. Um, after she's, uh, taken some time to kind of process everything, which is fair. Um, but, uh, she's, uh, killed, uh, killed again, uh, a few times. Um, she's killed by a, um, a mutant named, uh, Zorn, um, where, uh, she, uh, dies, and this is when Oh boy, this is when Scott is having an affair with Emma, oh. and Jean dies, and Scott gets really upset, and he leaves, and then, uh, Jean, like, discovers while, um, she's, like, in this, like, higher plane of existence that, like, Phoenix hosts live on, um, that, uh, Scott leaving creates this, like, uh, dystopian future 
So she assumes this, like, fully realized, like, ultra-powerful phoenix form called the White Phoenix of the Crown. Um, A rad name. uh, And, like, super, just the dopest name. Um, And, like, resurrects herself and appears to Scott to be like, no, you gotta stay with the X-Men. You and Emma have to, like, uh, run the school together. You leaving would be, like, so so super bad um also i love you and i want you to have a life okay bye and then like goes back to uh her the phoenix afterlife um good she deserves to retire she does deserve to retire um phoenix uh the phoenix force tries to resurrect her again in this storyline called phoenix end song um and jean's like please Please stop do please. Please don't do this anymore. <laughs> um I know I'm just gonna die again, so let's just stay here. Yeah. Um this is um there's one of these where I think it's um in the oh, yeah. Um this is very sweet actually. Um where it's like it like the Phoenix Force brings Jean back to life, and Jean's, like, trying to, like, maintain control over it and be like, no, I don't want to be the Phoenix. I have died. Um, but, uh, like, she, uh, like, the Phoenix, like, taunts her about how, like, like, Cyclops doesn't, like, really love her. Um, and, uh, she starts to lose control, and Scott's like, oh, we, like, if she knows how much all of the X-Men love her, it'll help her, like, maintain control, um, over the Phoenix Force. So, he has, like, he gets, like, he and Emma, like, contact, like, all of the, like, current and former X-Men to just, like, think about how much they love Jean, um, so she can, like, telepathically, like, feel their love and be able to like like assert herself over the phoenix force this feels so much like clapping for tinkerbell it's like it does like it's it's i don't know if it reads dumb it sounds a little bit dumb but i am also like aw. no it's very good but it it feels so much like it would work in a stage production yeah. But I don't know if it works in a comic book. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a fair point. Um. Clap for Jean to come back to life. God. If you clap hard enough, she'll come back. That's how the Phoenix Force works. Yeah, exactly. Um, she does, um, she properly, um, there's a teen Jean running around for a while, um, again, like, as with Cyclops. Beast brings the original teen X-Men back to life to, or not back to life, but, like, transports them into the current timeline to, like, remind Scott of, like, why they started the X-Men in the first place, and then the teen X-Men decide to just, like, hang out. So teen Jean is, like, having her own adventures. Um, but, um... Teen Jean, like, how many times did I die? Woof. Wow, boy. Um, I don't think I want anything to do with any of you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Jean did 
properly come back to life pretty recently, actually. Um, and is currently, uh, hanging out in, uh, a house of X and is uh, possibly polyamorous with Scott and Logan, which, like, we do love to see. Um, I mean, they're the only, I have seen that floor plan. They're the only ones that have doors into each other's rooms. (laughs) It's about the floor plans. You can get so much from a floor plan. God, you really can. Um, this is, uh, as with Cyclops, this is, like, a relatively small slice of what Jean has done. But, like, the Dark Phoenix stuff is, like, the most, like, famous part of it, obviously. Um, I like Jean. I've always struggled a little bit with Jean, and part of this is just because, like, she is dead for long stretches of time, um, and also for other long stretches of time is being controlled by, like, a force outside of herself. Um, it feels like a lot of the time she exists as an idea more than a character, um, and also frequently as an idea for, like, male characters to be, like, really sad about, which is, like... Woman in comics disease. (laughs) Which is women in comics disease. Um, it is extremely unfortunate, and it is terminal. Um, there's, like, a a lot, a lot of stuff involving Jean. And again, like, a lot of the time this is because she is not alive when the stuff is going on. But I feel like I've seen a lot more stuff that's, like, about how people feel about Jean um, than about how Jean feels about things. Although, the stuff I've seen from House of X and the associated things, um, do have, uh, Jean actually doing things. Which, oh my god. Um, Does she have agency? Can, can you imagine Jean Grey oh. having agency? Oh my god. I, I know. Um, I, I haven't, like, I haven't read all of it. But I have read things in which Jean has agency, which I do support. Because there's, like, a whole lot of, uh, extremely interesting material to cover. Um, in terms of, like, you know, being the host for, like, an ultra-powerful psychic force and, like, you know, doing some extremely, uh, terrible things that, like, weren't exactly you, but, like, also were sort of you, um, and, you know, also just, like, she, uh, like, psychics are fun, there's a lot you can do with them, she has, like, a ton of history with, uh, several members of the X-Men, um, I think they should invite Emma into their fun little, like, (laughs) connected room situation maybe um that would be very nice yeah just as an idea um how many of the x-men can we get in a polyamorous relationship (laughs) that's the challenge of the day um so um i'm hopeful that this will do uh this will do jean some justice um i also haven't read a lot of the stuff with like teen her but it did seem like teen her might have had some more 
interesting stuff to do, Teen Gene, or maybe I was just interpreting it that way because I was like, oh, hell yeah, a teen. <laughs> nice. I mean, that, that is your bias. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's, that's the brand right there. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, pretty, uh, also, like, again, the character who is, uh, most famous for just, like, defining the, like, revolving door of death that exists in comics, which, her name is Phoenix, like, it does It should track. just be a given. Um, she'll be back. Why? How do you know? Yeah. Her, it's the Phoenix Force. What do you think yeah. it does? <laughs> um, but she's definitely the example most often cited, um, when it comes to death not meaning anything. Um, which is interesting, because that, like, original death was, like, intended to be permanent when they first wrote it. And I think Chris Claremont, when they first brought her back, was, like, a little bit peeved about it because he was, like, it feels like we put, like, a lot of, like, emotional investment into being, like, Jean's dead and everybody has to move on, and now we're just kind of, like, I guess we were just kidding, but, uh... Yeah, I feel like a lot of comics are like that. Yeah, that's comics, baby. Um... Hey, I put a lot into this, and you just undid it. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've talked for a long time about Jean Grey. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about? I haven't read a lot of X-Men comics. In fact, I have read hardly any. So most <laughs> of what I know about Jean Grey is, like, X-Men movies and pop culture. So this was yes. very fun. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad we learned something. Yeah. I did read a little bit of comics this week, but it's boring because it's still just trying to finish Squirrel Girl, got distracted, watched the entirety <laughs> of Jeeves and Wooster this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that seemed like it was uh, going well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I still wake up, and uh, before anything else, my internal voice is that of uh, Hugh Laurie as Bertram Wooster. So uh, we're doing great over here in my house, <laughs> in my brain. <gasps> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, hopefully I don't fixate on this too hard so I can do <laughs> other things. <laughs> Oh god, me so often. Hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> Cut to like eight weeks later and I'm just buried in everything. Uh, I mean, I guess it is kind of comics related because uh, this is all Ngozi Okazu's fault um, <laughs> for drawing such yep. rad fan art. And I'm like, huh, this seems like it's up my alley. And then I watched it, and it was. Except there are two episodes that do have blackface in them, which uh, oh. does not age well. I never want to see Hugh Laurie in blackface ever again. Oh, um, no, guys. Ah, oh, beans. Yeah, 1990s were not a good time, I guess. Um, Oof. But, yeah, other than that, very good show. That part 
not good at all. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always, always something. Yeah. Also, my uh, local comic shop is apparently open again, so I'm debating whether or not I should go and buy comics. Ah, yes. The the dilemma of reopenings. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I do want to support them. Yes. On the other hand, I am afraid to go into buildings now. It's been too long, Olivia. It's been <laughs> over two months since I have been into a building that is not my home. <sighs> yeah. Oh, boy. Ugh. Um, it's... It is challenging out there. Yeah. <laughs> um well, I hope uh I hope in these challenging times you all are taking care of yourselves. Um if you want to uh keep up with us, you can follow us online. We've got uh Twitters and Tumblrs and Instagrams and Facebooks. I mean, we only have one of each of those, but like we have them. Um, and a Pinterest, and you can find all those just at Capes and Japes on your respective site. Uh, we have an email address that's capesandjapes at gmail.com if you want to uh, ask us anything there. Um, we have a Discord server um, where you can feel free to pop in and look at very cute cats, and like a lot of it is devoted to the Magnus Archives now. Um, it, okay, don't say a lot of it, there's just the one channel. There is a channel with a lot of active discussion of, I think our podcast has successfully gotten two people to listen to the Magnus Archives. I'm so glad that our podcast can make people listen to another much more successful podcast. Yeah, fucking Rusty Quill, hit us up. Give us some royalties. <laughs> For your two new listeners. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, we also have a Patreon. If you want to, uh, support us there, you can get bonus episodes, watch stuff with us, uh, pick what topics we discuss. Um, if you can't do that, but you still feel like helping us out, um, a great way to do that is leaving a uh, rating and a review. Um, it would be super duper cool of you. Um, also telling a friend about the show if you think they'd be interested. Um, and just, you know, just coming on back and listening. Just like you've done today. Um, so thank you for joining us for this particular episode of Capes and Japes. I have been Olivia. And I have been Elyon. And, as always, kiss me sexy Batman. Kiss me sexy Batman.